Support for the Trailblazers.fm podcast comes from the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, a national membership network that reminds us that there's no cavalry coming to save the day in our communities. We are the iconic leaders we've been waiting for, the curators of the change we're seeking to see. To learn more about the groundbreaking work of the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, visit tbpod.com slash blackmaleachievement. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. What's good, my peoples? For those of you in the United States, I just want to let you know we published this episode on Memorial Day. And I'm hoping that many of you are actually taking off today and just chillaxing with the family or your friends and welcoming the summer temperatures with open arms. You know, being a Jamaican, this is my preferred mode (laughs) of seasons, of temperatures, of dress. I love flip-flops and shorts. So I'm in my happy place right now when the temperatures are north of 75 degrees. Listen up. I'm going to be straight up honest with you guys as I have been and try to be. I'm tired. I'm so tired right now mentally that I feel like I'm on the verge of a burnout. And that's just the honest truth. Mostly, you know, for those of you that don't, this podcast is my side hustle. After a very demanding full-time job, two kids, a wife who's also blazing her own trail up the corporate ladder and securing her seats. And so I'm saying all this to let you know that I'm positioning the podcast for a summer break. I'll still have content coming your way each and every Monday at 5 a.m., but I'm planning to give myself a break and do something different in that gap, allowing you guys to still have Mission Fuel coming your way, but allowing my brain to breathe and giving myself some white margin space to celebrate my 10 years of marriage to my wife and prepare for some of the speaking opportunities that I landed later in the summer going into the fall. And just allowing myself to kind of retune and refocus my energy, right? So I can give what I want to give to this podcast and this platform, not allow it to burn me out. So stay tuned for more on that. Today's featured guest is another amazing lady out of the DMV, a DMV blazer, born and raised. I'm so blessed to have Kanika Tover on the show. Kanika is a former government employee who's now turned into a rebel entrepreneur and a certified professional coach and a fellow brand genius. We had a great conversation. I'm excited for you to hear her thoughts on a number of topics. So, And I'm interested in hearing what you think about this conversation. So get set to listen. Hit me up as you're listening. If you're relaxing on this holiday weekend, you can hit me up on Twitter or on the gram. You can find us over at TB Pod. Let me know what you're enjoying most about this conversation. And so I won't waste any more time. Let's get set to receive some mission fuel from today's featured guest, Kanika Tover. Hope you enjoy. Kanika, welcome and thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. So I love to get things going from a place of gratitude, right? And I wanted to ask, what's something you witnessed recently that reminded you that life is good? Something that I witnessed recently that life is good would be probably just recently I went to a networking event yesterday and 
I just met a lot of really good, genuine people. Like, it's just hard to come by people that's just really genuine. Yes, yes. You know, I know you grew up in a DMV, right? Yes. Born and raised? Yes, I was born in D.C., actually educated in Prince George's County. Nice. I moved here for marriage. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in Jamaica, lived in Florida, and met my wife in Florida. But she's also born and raised here. Her grandmother grew up in PG, and her parents are here in Montgomery County. I've lived here for about 10 years. I'm always interested in hearing from people that grew up here because so many people are transplanted here. What do you remember most about kind of growing up in this area? One of the things that I remember most about growing up in this area is that there is just a great sense of like, you know, unique identity amongst people from the D.C. area. Like everything yeah. has their own slang. You know, we got our own music. We got our own sense of fashion. I just remember growing up as a young girl, like just being able to just always have fun going to family cookouts and, you know, listening to go-go music. Yes. You know, just being able to you know run down to the corner store and go and get your candy, go to the ice cream. The ice cream truck will come around the neighborhood. And just, a, you know, just a time where, you know, it was just safe to kind of just like be hanging out with your friends and family. Love that. Love that. So let me ask you, what was the big goal growing up for you? Did you always kind of know it? Because you started your career in federal government, right? But then transitioned to this entrepreneurial role. Was there an entrepreneurial gene in you early? Or did you always just think, hey, I'll get a job? I mean, initially, I wanted to go into computers. I was fascinated with the internet. You know, when dial-up came out, I was just infatuated with getting on AOL Instant Messenger and get on the internet and just surfing the web. So I was just really eager to, like, know more about computers when I was, like, in high school. Now, you know, you just dated us as much older. <laughs> I know these young people listening to this call don't know about no dial-up. <laughs> uh, don't know no dial-up. <laughs> High-speed internet, files. And- That's right. <laughs> Well, like, you know, Wi-Fi and all that, you know. <laughs> that's right. So that's kind of like what kind of got me interested into the computer world. But the real goal was like, my mother always stressed for me to get educated. So the real goal was to go to school and get educated and to be able to just stand on my own two feet as a Black woman. Nice. Nice. So after school, walk me through kind of how you got into the federal government. So actually, I got into the federal government probably like my 11th, going into my 11th and 12th grade year in high school. I started doing a summer internship within the federal government. Wow. Back in the day, they used to have these programs called like the stay in school program where the federal government doing like the Clinton administration. They had programs that a lot of people was able to work in the federal government like once they became 16. So Mm. you you could go work there during the summers, during your Christmas breaks. And you actually was actually earning federal years of service towards your, your time wow. working there. So I started doing that at the Department of Housing, Urban Development. And then what happened was I decided to stay locally here. After graduating from college, I went to Bowie State University. So nice. throughout the entire time, I was actually working part time going to school full-time, you know, majoring in computer science. So that's kind of how I started my federal career. Wow. And I find it interesting, right? Because people get in the federal government and you you did 14 years. At that point, usually you're not leaving, right? You're comfortable with that convenience of clocking in at nine, clocking out at five, but that didn't keep you there. What provided the itch to look outside that and pursue your own? 
you know, moving into the federal government space after college, I actually, you know, started working full time for the federal government. So I started to work as a SaaS developer for the Consumer Price Index, which is a part of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And then I moved on to other agencies like Department of Transportation. I just wasn't happy. You know, I was moving up really fast. I was getting promoted all the way to a GS-13 level. But I found that deep down that I had a very entrepreneurial spirit at a very young age. Mm. But I wasn't listening to it because I was listening to what everybody wanted me to be, which was stable federal government. Right, right. So I just kept working. I kept being a government rock star. I kept breaking, you know, different, you know, breaking down different doors and barriers. And then one day I was, you know, working at the Department of Transportation. I had been for five and a half years. And I just said, enough is enough. I have to follow my dreams. So I left actually, and I didn't jump right into entrepreneurship. I went to private sector first for a couple of years. Wow. Okay. Nice. So, and then there's this cushy six-figure job, right? You're sitting in. Continue to walk me through this transition. So were you kind of beginning the process of your own on the side? Was that a side gig for you and a hustle until it kind of became full-time entrepreneurship? Actually, it was. So while I was working you know, towards the end of my government career, I had already published a five-star rated book. I also started to do speaking engagements. Nice. Then I, I really didn't start my tech company until when I started to get into private sector, I started to think about starting my own tech company. Because see, being on the private sector gave me a lot of more exposure to global business, you know, because doing a lot more business, I'm working with companies like Deloitte, which is a huge consulting firm, being recruited by Microsoft and Intel, and all these different organizations are reaching out to me that still do work with the federal government. But I was like, wow, like, you know, working in the government is such a closed-minded level of exposure. When I went into private sector, I was like, wow, like, you know, I was learning more about business. So that's kind of how I transitioned into creating my own tech company and my own career coaching practice within the last three years. You know, as you're saying that, I can see the transition of your passion from computing to tech to digital, right? Where you had that hunger. I know that so many people reach out to me saying, hey, you know, I want to leave the nine to five, but I'm not sure what I should do. Like they're not yet hungry enough, right? Right. Or passionate about something. What do you say to people about trying to figure out what it is that they want to do in that transition to becoming an entrepreneur? I think the transition starts with purpose first. You know, what is your why? Why do you want to do this? You know, why do you want to leave your government job? And second would be passion. You know, passion is what drives me every day. Being passionate about technology and passionate about branding and mobile app development and web development and also passionate about helping other people that look like me, you know, helping them with their career. It's just something that's inside of me. And I would say the first thing you need to do, number one, is you need to become a student of your career. Not a student of the business, become a student of your career. If your career is something that you're going to use to transition into business, be very, very knowledgeable about your career. So I decided to look at myself as a product, even as an employee. Wow. So when you look at yourself as a product and not an employee, you understand how to brand, market, and sell yourself. Right. Once you start to think about that, then you start to think about what products and services can I develop for my business that comes from a level of expertise that I developed within my career. Mm -hmm. So I'm transitioning what I learned in my career 
possibly into my business if it's relatable. Because sometimes things that you want to do in business isn't 100% relatable to your career. Right. So many things that we learn within our career that we overlook on how we can use to leverage our business. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, right? I mean, that's where you have the skill. You likely have a, you're talented at it. If it's something that you enjoy doing, that could very well transfer into entrepreneurship and into what you're offering as your product and service. And I love that. I love that. So you're working in the private sector. You authored your book. You're hustling on the side. What was an early opportunity that you landed that made you realize that, you know what, I could actually make money jumping to this full time and doing this in my own way, right? Like your own style of digital and career development. Was there any one opportunity that kind of like showed itself where you're like, yo, this is it. I can do this. Yes. When I was career coaching, I got an opportunity to speak at the Department of Human Health and Services. Wow. And there was like, oh, why don't you just come speak for a little bit amount of time for $3,000? I was like, what? (laughs) Okay. Like, you know, just come talk to my group of people and explain to them about how they can acquire career happiness within the federal government or come explain to them about your federal government experience and how they can leverage, you know, some of your knowledge to better their career within the federal government space. And, you know, we're going to write you a check for a couple thousand dollars. And it's like, "Mm," like, you know, wow, I'm not even going to be here that long. And I'm going to get paid a couple thousand dollars just to like talk about myself. That's exactly what I was thinking just now, right? Like you probably, if they'd asked you for a proposal, do you think you'd have priced yourself that high? I probably wouldn't, but the federal government has a lot of money that they spend wastefully. Right. It was kind of like, yeah, I'll take it. You know, if it's yeah. going to add value to the personnel within the organization. Some of the other opportunities as far as tech that I've gotten, I've been able to work with a lot of popular or well-known entrepreneurs here in the DMV. And it's just amazing how people believe in my understanding of technology because I talk to them in a very non-technical way. I've been able to just kind of work with a lot of people that have believed and they've been watching me hustle for a while. I think the one thing that really was a really breaking point for me was my CNN article. When CNN, they did an article on me on why Google doesn't hire minorities. I was on a Twitter rant a couple of years ago and Google released their diversity numbers and they talked about how only 2% of the company has African-American employees. Saw my tweet and they contacted me through Twitter and they said, we want to interview you and we want to get your perspective on why Google should hire you. I think that was a breaking point for me that was like, wow. Like, And I had just started my job at Deloitte at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, if I would have sat back and let people tell me that I couldn't leave the government and I couldn't go work for a big Fortune 500 company and now CNN wants to interview me. I'm just this little black girl from Prince George's County who went to public schools and now they want to talk to me about why Google should hire more black people. Very powerful moment. Yeah, that's awesome. But give yourself credit. Kanika, we're talking because you reached out to me in a moment. I look at easily 10 to 15 submissions, emails, messages on a weekly basis about people wanting to come on a podcast. And oftentimes it's more of this, not to say that there are amazing people out there, but you begin to get accustomed to seeing the same pitch, right? Generally speaking. And I think within 
two seconds of opening your email, I was like, absolutely need to bring you on. You have an amazing way of presenting yourself. And I think I shared that with you right after, right? Like you have a great, what you've developed an amazing pitch, an amazing way of branding yourself and sharing your wisdom and value that you bring. So call that experience and call that time on the clock, but you definitely are moving in the right path and you have a lot of wisdom to share. So big ups to you on that. <laughs> we appreciate that compliment because sometimes, you know, when you're in this entrepreneurship journey, sometimes you feel like you don't always have it right. And what I've learned, you know, trying to do this for 10 years is that going back to my point earlier is we really, all of us have to, you know, get to know who we are and our brand. And I think once you be authentic, you'll easily be able to articulate that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So l- let me talk to you a little bit about lessons, right? I found that on this podcast, I've learned that failure in entrepreneurship are simply lessons, right? That guide us through this journey. And I know you speak quite a bit on this. You actually term it the other F word. <laughs> and I love that. I'd love for you to maybe share with us a little bit about some of the earlier failures that you had to kind of work your way through coming from the government sector through private to now entrepreneurship. Share me with some of what happened and what you learned about being an entrepreneur and learning about yourself in the process. You know, let's just focus on a couple of career failures and then, you know, like kind of segue into the entrepreneurship failures. Sure. Because that's kind of how like we've been talking about this throughout this conversation. Yeah. A couple of career failures that I would, you know, just for anyone out there that's trying to find a job that they really, or, you know, want to have a career because everybody doesn't want to be an entrepreneur and it's okay if you don't want to be an entrepreneur. Absolutely. But if you really want a successful career and you want happiness within your career, the number one thing that I think that I did was I listened to a lot of people that had only been working for the government their whole life. And I really didn't listen to people that said, you know, it's okay to kind of find a good company culture, a good fit for you know, location. You know, maybe I would have moved to California, went to Silicon Valley to try the tech industry out there. I listened to a lot of closed-minded people. Mm. So for anyone out there that's trying to find career happiness or trying to find a career that they desire, don't listen to the people that have never tried what you're trying to do. Try to seek out people on LinkedIn or through Twitter or other people that you know that are doing the things in their career that makes them happy and ask them for practical advice. That's so true. I, not to break it, but I have chills right now because it is the people who love you the most sometimes can't see the opportunity that you have moving forward, right? And it's simply the case that they can't see it for themselves. Yes. They can't see it for you. And sometimes you have to plan, strategize, and step into your plan. And as Kanika just said, you know, talk to people who have done it, not people who love you. Right? Necessarily. Sometimes you need to talk to the people who are doing it mm-hmm. successfully. Yes. And be able to chart your path forward, blaze your own trail towards your dream and what you want to accomplish, your vision and your goals. And then tell them about it when you already have a clear vision on what you're planning to do. And they'll get upset and they'll tell you you're doing the wrong thing. And that's fine. That's fine. But you now have a little bit more conviction and confidence in how you're going to get it done. And if you fail, again, just as I said a minute ago, it's not a dead end. It's not terminal. It's a lesson that you learn from. You'll be able to pivot and continue to push ahead. 
I love that. I love that you just shared that just a second ago. Yes. I mean, I love the way you reiterated that because I think I wasted a lot of time. You know, I'm not upset about the time that I wasted, but those people spoke fear over my career and not faith. And that should have been something that I should have been having more. You know, I was young. I'm 35, but that was when I was in my 20s. I didn't have enough courage to tell people that I love and people that I work with that I don't want to work here. It's not me. It's not who I feel like. I've been called to do. And people said, you know, when, when I resigned from my government job, you know, people said, you're ruining your life. You're ruining your career. You stupid. And look at me now. What if I would have listened to those people? Mm, wow. That's for career, for entrepreneurship. Some of the lessons learned and failures that I've successfully accomplished with getting over. Because I said failures are not actually, you know, they're not defeats. Sometimes we look at failures as like they're all about being defeated moments. Sometimes now I look at them as very, you know, accomplishing some things. So one of the things that I failed a lot at is not being patient. I failed at not being patient with the process. Yes. Number two, because I got a whole lot of entrepreneurship. (laughs) (laughs) Number two is I failed at really understanding how to articulate my brand in a very authentic way, I'll try to like do what everybody else is doing or follow someone else's brand or, you know, copy this person's style. And now probably within the last five years, those have been following me for the last five years. They'll see what you see is what you get. But people, That's right. people love it. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Don't copy nobody else's style. Be you. Like speak your truth. And what I've seen is that it works Number three is I would say that I failed at not really truly creating in the beginning. I wasn't creating good, smart alliances and partnerships. Mm. I was trying to do it alone. It was so low and thinking I got to be number one and I got to rock with I'm the best. And that's why I'm on this podcast is because this is a partnership. This is a a conversation that me and you are having, but it's going to benefit you and me. Yes. I strongly believe in that one. Big time, big time, big time. Even yesterday, I was sharing with someone, I've really embraced the quote that says, all boats rise with the tide as a mantra. I firmly believe that. Yeah, I've seen in the last couple months, you've talked with several of my friends who have also been guests on the podcast. Minda and Kenneth and so many people who have Tiffany Sutherland, right? Yes. Like these are people who have been guests on the podcast who have since become diehard lifelong friends and advocates for trailblazers, right? Yes. And there are many people I've poured into with no expectation of anything in return and nothing necessarily happens immediately, right? And I have no expectation of something happening, but all too often because of that, people think of me and think of our brand and ways that they can reciprocate. And they have, you know, when I least expect it, something happens out the blue and I realize that, you know what, you had poured into this person two years ago and it's coming back to you right now. And you absolutely cannot do it alone. You have to have the support of others around you. No one necessarily needs to have a partner in business, but having partnerships around you, as you said, just now, and looking at it as such is so very important. Yep. Because I can't win with me, but we can win with we. Yes. Love that. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) 
You know, so that's my motto is that, you know, me being from the D.C. area, it's a crabs in a burrow mentality. And a lot of people in this area think that it's all about me, 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 me. And I would tell anybody to always think of your brand. I think in the beginning, I thought of my brand as being like, oh, I want to be like the, the most popular person in D.C. I think now I look at my brand and I study global brands. So I tell anybody out there, if you want to be successful in entrepreneurship, you want to be a thought leader, or even you want to be a very, very good career professional, look at the global perspective. Don't look at the local perspective. That's right. That's so right. I can go all day on the entrepreneurship thing. We may need to have a show just about that. But yeah, that, those are just a few gems that I wanted to drop. Listen, I saw recently, I wanted to touch on this. I saw that you had just published an article on Glassdoor and I found myself sharing this everywhere this morning and late yesterday. But you have an article talking about how to sell yourself in a video interview. And I thought this was... This was just dope as a topic to speak to. It's great, it's relevant, and it brings a ton of value to many of us who are beginning to identify with this new term of the gig economy, right? <laughs> you know, really taking advantage of this world that we can now work remote, right? And take advantage of this digital space that we live in. And it's applicable to people today, more so people tomorrow. So I can only see that piece really gaining legs and traction for some time to come. What do you love most about working? with people in career development and that intersection with digital? The great thing I love about working in the career space as far as digital is that it's just so amazing of what you can do without never meeting the company that you're going to work for. Like my last two full-time jobs, I was working remote. I never stepped foot in the headquarters to do a face-to-face interview. I only interview from my home on video. Really? Wow. They sent me my computer, shipped it to me. I did all my paperwork electronically. That's awesome. And I was getting paid $140,000 a year. And I never put on a suit to go into a job interview. That's the magic of this digital era that we live in. For those that are maybe wanting to improve their personal branding, talk about branding a bit. I'm a brand strategist as well. And especially those on the career side, right? Wanting to move up or enhance. What are some best first steps to being successful right now? For branding your career? Yeah. The first couple of steps that I would say is to truly focus in on telling the story on your resume and your LinkedIn profile. Telling your career story. The same way that we see Starbucks tell their story or we see Macy's tell their story. Or, you know, we see Chick-fil-A tell their stories. Or, you know, These are brands, right? We look at these brands because they offer a unique customer service experience. Make sure that you're telling a story on your resume to show what do you uniquely offer a company. Mm-hmm. Number two would be to focus in on aligning yourself and your brand with companies that actually gravitate towards professionals like you. So if you are in the, I'm going to use an example, if you're in the tech space and you want to work in a place where you can kind of, you know, wear jeans and t-shirt and you want to work at a startup or you want to work somewhere where that is very collaborative and it's cool and it's free spirited, If that's your personal brand, align yourself with a company that has a similar brand. Right. That makes sense. Makes sense, but it's not as clear. You know, that's a great point to emphasize. 
Yeah, I mean, the number probably number three, the last point is to understand how to strategically market yourself with those type of companies that you want to work for. So that would require you to connect with recruiters that work at these companies on LinkedIn. That would require you to go to networking events where these companies may be having, you know, hiring events. Also, you can actually network with other professionals that work there and see if they can help you get into the company. So just being very open to not just push your resume and hit the apply button, but being open to talk to people at the companies that you desire to work for is very important. Right. Love that. Love that. Before I could talk to you for a good one <laughs> change, because I love your wisdom, love the value you bring in here. Before we get too much further, I wanted to talk a little bit about your book and you as an author. You authored the book Life Rehab, Don't Overdose on Pain, People, and Power. What prompted you to write this book? Yeah, I wrote that book probably back in 2014, 2013, when I was leaving my government job. Mm. I published that book. People really like that book. It's really about truly finding yourself and being life rehab is not a place. It's a state of mind. Mm. It's about being able to, you know, when we think about rehab, we think about rehabilitation. It's really about restoring your physical, mental, you know, your spiritual state of mind. I was at a place where I was like, you know, kind of losing myself and losing who I was as a woman. So I said, I'm going to check myself into life rehab. And I said, I'm not stop overdosing on painful situations that I've been through. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to stop overdosing on people, which is bad relationships that Mm -hmm. don't bring me any value, or I'm going to stop giving of myself to people that don't value me. And power is all about not valuing so much possessions of materialistic things, job titles, salary, you know, in this area, you can kind of get caught up into like where you live and what you drive and where you work at. That's power. Yes. I talk about in the book, people wear the power mask. And power mask is basically you're putting on a mask every day, trying to pretend to be something that you're not. Take it off. Be you with or without the good job or the money in the car. Be your true, authentic self. I wanted to pick your brain a bit because you touched on relationships. And I wanted to pick your brain on what you see missing in relationships today between men and women. (laughs) that's a great question (laughs) one thing that i you know social media has really really made us not really want to get to know people and what i see that's missing in relationships today is that people are not in love with the idea of getting to know people on an intellectual level it's all physical wow because, you know, we live in this very photo-driven world and world. So it's like, if she look good or he look good, yeah, let me like try to get with them. I've been married for a long time now, for about 10 years. I really don't see a lot of people being companions and friends. Like me and my husband, we're friends. We can have a conversation like me and you're having right now. And we could talk about anything. And it's not about us. It could be about worldly things. And I just wish that people would get back to the basics and not being so caught up on all of the things that really don't matter. Surface. Yep. Yeah, it's very surface. It is very much that way today where we get caught up on the identity and status of it all. Like, you know, especially in the digital year, we've been talking a lot about digital. People get caught up on what they see on Facebook and Instagram. 
you know, and, and the, the Joneses has now moved from your next door neighbor to <laughs> your social media friends, right? But the math doesn't add up, as you just said. You know, my wife and I sometimes look at look at the optics in it and we're like, this doesn't add up. There's no way <laughs> you can be living a real life in trying to put out what you're putting out, knowing what those people are doing, right? And so it's it's this facade. It's fake. Yes. In many ways. It's dangerous, you know, and it can become addictive because you want people to like things and comment. And I'm so not faking for the Instagram folks. Like, look, I'm not making $140,000 a year as an entrepreneur. Let's be clear. I'm not faking for you. You don't pay my bills. Your likes won't pay my bills. Your comments won't pay my bills. So, you know, when you get to a place where you notice social media smoke and mirrors and you just be you, you're so happy. Like, I'm happy for people that's doing better than me. I'm okay with that. But you're right. When you look at people's social media and you're like, I really know these people in real life. I know the math. Yeah. <laughs> it, don't, it don't add up. <laughs> It don't add up, and yet you get caught up in it, right? You get caught up in, and I spoke about this recently, you know, you get our responsibilities. I'm married, I have two young kids, and I look at it like my responsibility right now is to my wife, and our relationship is to our kids, and is to, you know, taking care of my family, right, and my career. I get caught up on this fifth wheel with these other people, (laughs) and external, and I could easily sink my own ship, Right. And so it's interesting to kind of hear you share that. I appreciate you sharing that truth. I love your point earlier that likes don't pay the bills. Uh, <laughs> that's that's they don't. spot on. <laughs> they don't. But you know, some people feel, me and men to talk about this a little bit, about self-comparison on social media. It's a, like a psychological, you know, when you get likes, it's like a dopamine, it's like an effect in your brain that make you feel happy. Yes. So like, It is. It is know, a drug. Yeah. <laughs> It's addictive. So like, you know, comparing yourself to another woman of color, you'll drive yourself crazy trying to compare yourself to somebody. She may look better. You may think she got more money than you, but she may got a whole another set of problems that you don't even know she has. So don't get caught up in the hype. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Let me ask you, coming back to the book, what's your advice to others like myself who are wanting to author our first book? Right? What would your advice be? So I tried to take with the second book, you know, we want to talk about go back to failure. I tried to take the, for the second book idea that I have, that I have going on right now, I tried to get a, I was trying to get a major book deal and that's just a whole nother stressful journey. I mean, that's a whole nother topic. It's not, I don't think it's going to happen. So for my advice for anybody that want to self-publish, because I can't speak on going and getting a major book deal because I'm in the process of was trying to get that done and it's not really not really working out right now. So self-publishing, I would say it's a great digital space for it, man. Like I have like, you know, five-star rated reviews on Amazon just because of people that have supported me. So number one, I was like, focus on, you know, coming up with a great book idea do some research and make sure that there's nothing out there that's kind of out there because, you know, you see a lot of books that start the topic, start to sound the same. Yes. And I think that that's the only thing about authoring books is that I was arguing with the book team that I was working with. I'm like, how could these publishers say that they don't want to work with me when you go into the business section, there's about 20 books with a different title that's talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just an overly saturated market of people basically recycling 
and repurposing content. Don't do that with your book. Come up with something that's great that you haven't really seen articulated before. Use digital tools like CreateSpace and and Amazon and use cost-effective tools like Fiverr and 99 designs to get your book cover design. You know, maybe link up and pay for a really good editor to edit your book and help you edit your book. But outside of that, don't spend a whole lot of time trying to get a major book deal if you can save yourself a lot of time and heartache and pain and money and do it yourself and come up with a great book marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I love that you just said this just now about the title of and the topic around the book. I feel like whether it's a book and I also see this a lot with delivering a speech, right? I feel like the opening is everything, right? Like you have to get the opening right or you're dead in the water because I'm listening to a couple of books right now by very, very solid authors that, you know, are amazing. And I listen to books in audio for the most part because I'm always going a hundred miles an hour. I don't have time like I'd like to sit down and read books, physical books. But I'm falling asleep in the intro of some of these audiobooks right now because it's boring. <laughs> and I think the opening is everything, right? And crafting the right opening to your books and your talks are also incredibly important. Yes, I 100% agree with you. What you reading right now? I actually started listening to Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And the intro, and so many people have talked to me about Outliers, and I'm sure it's a solid, you know, has great value in it. It's Malcolm Gladwell. I've listened to Tipping Point. I've enjoyed some of his books. But I literally have hit replay on the first part of this audiobook like three times right now. Cannot get through it. So I'm always reading a couple different books at a time. You're a brand person like me. I've really been enjoying Donald Miller. Building a Story Brand. Not sure if you're familiar with him. He has a great podcast called Story Brand as well. So I'm a big Donald Miller fan in terms of marketing. And I'm also almost always reading The One Thing by Gary Keller. But yeah, this outlier book is beating me up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, you know, you have so much happening and, and you're pushing through, you know, we've talked about so much. I enjoyed this conversation. We're getting set to wrap up soon, but what's keeping you grounded in the midst of all of this success? I don't even look at it as success because I just always, I guess, kind of see why celebrities keep going. I feel like I've never, I haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg yet. Like, I don't even think that I made it in my mind. I don't even think I go so hard. I mean, all day I was at a training event yesterday, the second podcast recording interview. I think I've recorded close to 10 podcasts in like six weeks with different shows. What keeps me grounded is... I always say that you should always, to a certain degree, stay hungry, like back in college. I still have that same hunger and desire, and I always feel like I can be better. And one thing that keeps me grounded is my family. You know, life is really short. You know, all this stuff that we're trying to accomplish, it don't mean nothing if you don't have God in your family. You know, one day I could be here on this podcast show talking to you tomorrow, I cannot be here. So, you know, when we look at the state of the world and we look at what's going on in society, we really have to just count our blessings and just know that the things that we're trying to accomplish, they mean a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, they'll never mean as much as your family. Yes. That's so true. That's so true. That's so true. And I think you're achieving tremendous success, by the way. I'm a big Earl Nightingale fan. I don't know if you've ever absorbed some of his content, but 
Earl Nightingale has a definition of success that I live by. He says, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal or goal, right? So I clearly see, without you telling me, I clearly, I know without a doubt that you have very clear goals or you wouldn't have been on 10 podcasts in the past six weeks, right? Or achieved some of the things that we've talked about today. And so you're achieving, you're progressing on this path towards your goals And so, in fact, you are achieving success at a high level, and I commend you for that. And, you know, as we wrap up here, there are two last questions that we ask all our guests. I wanted to first ask you to share any books that you'd recommend. I shared a couple of mine just a minute ago. Are there any books that you've read that you'd care to recommend to Blaze Nation to check out for themselves on their summer reading? Yes. (laughs) One book that I recently read, I'm a big John Maxwell fan. I recently read No Limits by John Maxwell. I haven't read that one. Yeah, that book. Yeah, it's a good read. It's just basically talking about how you, you know, how to put no limits on your life and your goals, and how to, you know, break down procrastinate and break down different barriers of, you know, being able to accomplish things. Another book that I'm a big fan of is People Over Profit. Mm-hmm. This is by Dale Parkridge. It's basically break the system, live with purpose and be more successful. In this book, he really talks about how in business, if we put people first, profit will come. Yes. I think a lot of times people in business put profit over people. And that's why companies suffer through culture issues with employees and organizational structures. Another, the last book that I'm probably going to be starting this week is Failing Forward. Mm. I've been accomplishing a lot of failure lately. (laughs) And I really need something right now that's going to feed my spirit to understand how to deal with failure. Because going back to your point, sometimes when you do accomplish a lot, you don't know how to accept a lot of failure. Yes. I love your transparency and just your raw honesty in this call, I tell you. You know, and it brings to light the fact that, yes, through the accomplishments, I think what you just highlighted here, because you shared wisdom early in this call and how to navigate failure, but it's never something we truly completely overcome, right? It's something we always have to continue to push towards achieving the goals and the vision that we have for our life and the mission that we're on. But as we rise, new levels of challenges, of failures, of roadblocks appear, Mm -hmm. and it's unlike what we had experienced in the past. And so you're speaking to because I'm sure people will hear this and say, well, you just spoke to the failure. No, the failures change. The lessons change. They magnify as we begin to rise. And I love that you're continuing to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm accomplishing some failure right now. I love the way you phrase that. But, <laughs> but hey, you know, you are proactively saying, hey, you know what? I got to figure this out. You know why I'm using the word accomplish? Because I'm learning so much about myself. Yeah. And I'm learning so much about the process of what happened in the midst of that failure. Yes. So it's a I'm, I'm a- that's right. That's exactly right. That's what I said earlier. I'm re-terming failure as lessons because that's exactly yeah. what they are. It's wisdom on this path, on this journey. It's the experiences that you have and the wisdom that you gain from the failure set you apart. We we're talking earlier about branding yourself and sharing your story. Guess what? Those failures that you've experienced are unlike any that other people have experienced and it makes you uniquely you, you know, and gives you that edge to embrace that. And I love that we're talking about this today because, you know, all too often people hide and say, you know, 
I've never failed before, you know, and it's BS, right? Yeah. You're hiding behind what happens to us all. We all fail on this journey. If you're not failing, you know, you're not moving. Yes. Right? You're, you're, you're stuck in place. So last question, because I have to wrap up here, but last question for you is, I wanted you to share one action that our Blaze Nation hopping off this conversation with you and I should take, should put into action this week that's going to help them to blaze their own trail. One action? One action. You know, being on this call with me, you know, I give you like three or five. I I know. (laughs) One action that I would say that will help you become a true trailblazer. One thing that I do a lot is I journal. I write things down and not write things down with the expectation of just, oh, I'm going to do this. Write the things down that you want to accomplish and write down how you're going to do it. Don't just say, I want to start a business. Write down the steps that you need to take to actually do it. What I do is I'll write number one down. This is what I need to do. Under that, I'll put A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and I write down different points of things that's going to help me actually accomplish that task. Love it. Love that. There's power in them words, people. Kanika Tova, thank you so very much for being our featured guest today. Tell us how we can stay connected to you and we can wrap up. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast show. I extremely appreciate it. You can reach me at kanikatover.com. You can also reach me on Twitter at kanikatover, Instagram at kanikatover, and you can reach me on LinkedIn at kanikatover. I'll be sure to post all of those links up on our show notes page over at tvpod.com slash Kanika Tover. Kanika, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tvpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers. Cheers.